Welcome back, everyone. I received a surprise not too long ago in my inbox on my LinkedIn. Miss Michelle Zellner contacted me. Now, I don't know Michelle. I've never talked to her. She wasn't referred to me. Uh, was someone I, you know, sent out a connection request. She accepted it, and I received a nice message from her in my inbox, and it was really awesome that Michelle has become a, a nice fan of the show and has been downloading the episodes and listening to them, and they've really resonated with her, and I just love that. That's been a big part of the show is just hopefully that it touches people and they feel good about it. Michelle is somebody, after learning about her history and health and wellness, I just thought she'd be a great guest to have on the show. And I think we're all going to really enjoy the conversation with Michelle. She uh, seems to be doing some amazing things uh, with better beings, and I look forward to talking to her about that and her life and growing up and being in Hawaii and just there's so much good information to discuss. So we're going to dive in and speak with Michelle, and I think it's going to be an amazing, amazing adventure. Think I think that we'll all enjoy. So. Let's get it going with Michelle Zellner. Hello, Miss Michelle. Hey, Darian. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm pretty happy to be talking to you today. Well, I think the feeling is mutual. I feel like I've been talking to you because I've been eavesdropping on so many of your conversations already. Um, <laughs> so it's nice to actually have it go both ways instead of just me hearing you. Yeah, it's gone both ways today. And uh, I think you're, you know, this week must be the week that I talk to people I've never talked to before. So most of my podcasts this week, guests have been people I literally, this is our first time chatting. So I like it like this. It's pretty fun. Well, I'm happy to join the list. So I wanted to get a good idea. Well, when you contacted me, we connected on LinkedIn, and you said you love podcasts. What do you love about podcasts? I love that you can literally listen to anything you want to listen to at the drop of a hat. You can find anything out there. Um, and just that it gives so many different uh, points of view and maybe things that you never would be otherwise exposed to. Um, I have to say, I do love listening to them, but I am sort of new to the game. Uh, I have a very good friend who many, many, many years ago, <laughs> like, we should do a podcast. I'm going to do a podcast. Yeah. You need to listen to podcasts. And I'm like, whatever. I don't really understand. I don't understand what you're talking about. Not my thing. <laughs> Go away. Go ahead, you do it. I'll support you. But um, so it's probably really, if I'm going to be honest, uh, it's really only in the last maybe year and a half that I've been listening. And the more I listen, mm -hmm. the more I want to listen. And you can kind of get uh, down the rabbit hole pretty quickly. <laughs> That's very true. That's <laughs> extremely true. I actually, I'm pretty similar. I didn't get into listening to podcasts about a year ago. And then I was like, whoa, this is pretty awesome. And then probably, you know, maybe about uh, a couple months ago, I was like, you know what, I feel really led to do this. And uh, I'm always, I'm always networking with people. And I was like, this is just another way to network for me to get other people out there and serve them. So um, it's been a fun ride. But what do you listen to? What, what are your favorite podcasts to check out? 
so most of them are, you know, relevant to my industry. Um, mm -hmm. I like to gain as much information as I can to maybe then <clears throat> uh, pass that on to somebody else that I can help. Um, one of my favorites just for, I guess, really good kind of content, like actual like info that I can help people with is the Primal, Blue Cat, um, Primal Blueprint podcast. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, there's another one called, oh, I want to say it's Cut the Fat, but I know their, uh, their face of their podcast doesn't look like it's Cut the Fat. And it's so much more than that. I really don't uh -huh. like the, type, the title of their podcast <laughs> um, because that's really very little about what they talk about. Right. Um, so I like that one too. And then uh, just some local people that I've started following as well. Um, there's a guy here in the Springs that's the Fit 127 and... Um, a gal that I actually interviewed on her podcast called Not Another Wellness Podcast, which <laughs> is just great. So I love that title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so did you find, so when you, when we connected on LinkedIn, did you see on there that I host a podcast and then you were like, I'm going to go check it out and see what this is about? Yeah. Well, actually you connected, you reached out to me for a connection yeah. and, uh, and I, yeah, I mean, you know, your, your message was, um, just something that I thought, oh, yeah, let me, let me check out who this is. Let me listen to what he's doing. And right. I'm like, oh, I like that. It's, you know, it is kind of nice. It's because I think, especially with what I do, I don't necessarily always want to be having to be super immersed in learning. Sometimes I just want to be a fly on the wall. And yeah. I feel like that's kind of what I get to be with yours, especially. And there's always amazing nuggets of information. Oh, awesome. Um, Sometimes I'm just nodding in agreement. Sometimes I'm laughing. Sometimes <laughs> I'm reminiscing about, oh, yeah, when I used to do that or when I used to think that. <laughs> so, yes. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Thank you. I appreciate your support. I think um, as I go along with it, it's just I, I've been networking forever. And I always meet, like, the craziest, beautiful most beautiful people and everybody has a great story on some level and just try to bring that story out. And, you know, some of it's really painful for people and it's just a platform for them to speak about it and help them heal and, you know, connect with other people, maybe experience similar things. And, and it's, it's been really rewarding and just a lot of fun. It's just what I've been doing just in a different format per se, I guess. So I really yeah, enjoy well, it. I think it's it's really great, especially for people like me who hate networking and are total <laughs> introverts, except we're great one-on-one. -on -one. Like I, I, I can stand in front of a thousand people and give a great speech, um, but you put me in a room with 10 people who probably all know each other and I'm like the new kid who doesn't know anyone mm -hmm. and I'll be like, all right, see y'all later. <laughs> <laughs> Expand upon that. I saw that in one of our messaging that, you know, you're networking is not really your thing. And, uh, you know, where does that come from, you think? You know, I tried to really think about that. I think I'm just, I really am an introvert, which a lot of people would never, ever guess that, um, given what I do, and, mm -hmm. and that I'm in the, you know, I have no problem, like I said, speaking to a crowd and, and doing all that. But um, I don't know. I've always been just kind of rather independent, sort of a lone wolf, if you will. Right. Um, maybe never feeling um, like I quite fit in, which I know everybody feels that way in some way. 
but um, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I think, you know, I don't know if it's because of what I was that I steered into the things I did or if the things that I did uh, kind of as, uh, exacerbated, you know, my introverted nature. So I was a gymnast growing up, which is a very individual sport. Um, right. You know, you do your own thing. And, and because uh, I grew up in a small town and, and we didn't have gymnastics as a sport in my high in my school. So it was private club. So I wasn't even part of like, the school sports, right? So I didn't have that group. Um, and a lot of the girls on my gymnastics team all knew each other from their schools that were closer to the neighborhood where I went to gymnastics. So I was even kind of not really totally part of that group. Uh, right. <laughs> I don't right. know. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure, but. It's kind of the common theme uh, in what you've done growing up, it seems like. Yeah. How do you think that's impacted or how did that help you or how did that impact you as you've grown up and as you've, you know, made, made your journey through life, continue to journey through life and where you are now? Well, I mean, I've always been very independent. I mean, probably it's funny because I was actually three weeks late out of my mom's womb mm -hmm. and you would think that would be like, oh, she's like, you know, needy and <laughs> clingy totally the opposite like from the minute I was out my mom will tell you I was like I'm doing everything on my own um and so I think it's just part of innate personality I think we all have that right and so um for me it's it's maybe also just part of uh the role models I had my my parents were all kind of wanderers my dad um joined the air force you know when he was 17 uh to kind of create a different kind of life from the one that he grew up in. And mm -hmm. my mom um, was basically an only child, grew up in the, in the Netherlands and was always kind of destined to come to America. And so, you know, we all have kind of expanded, but yet we're very, very close uh, as a family. Um, my sister, I have one older sister. And so, you know, she also is um, way more social. She's definitely not an introvert, but mm -hmm. she also is not uh, a follower by any means. She's uh, you know, forging paths uh, as a, a female in a very highly male-dominated industry. Um, so I think just that level of independence, it's just, you know, you just do what you got to do. And just I think being self-reliant is a really great skill that everybody should teach themselves or should learn. And so I guess I was just fortunate enough to have had that um, instilled in me from a young age and then to really be supported in uh, whatever I wanted to do, whether uh, my parents at the time or other people at the time, you know, thought it was a good idea or not. I, I rarely got like, no, you you can't do that. Right. I, I don't think I ever got that, in fact. So. so you felt, you know, that at least you, you felt there was an option there. You felt supported on some level to pursue the things that you wanted to do. Completely. That's wonderful. That's not often all the time with people. Uh, you know, as many people I know who had the door slammed on them many times growing up and, and those certainly affect you. But I think that's wonderful that you had that experience and that, probably helped shape how you move and, and how you attack things now, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those, 
uh, again, it's, I think it's you either form to what you know, or you develop what you don't know to help you advance. It's, it's, and it's probably a little bit of both. So, um, you know, even in my career, it was always a solo journey. Um, hmm. Always been an entrepreneur from the day I started. And right. So, you know, that, that experience is very different from a lot of people who maybe, you know, have that paying job that they're afraid to leave to then go out into the great unknown. And um, so I never had to, to cross that bridge because that's just the way it always was for me. Right. And now was it, so that was by design for you that you're like, you know, I just want to go and have my own businesses. I don't want to start maybe in a, a different pathway. I guess I, I, I wish I could go back and really take a little bird's eye view of my brain of when this all occurred. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. It literally feels like a million years ago. Um, I'm probably one of your older people that you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was just the nature of what I was, what I was exposed to at the time. I got into personal training a million years ago before it was a thing to be a trainer. And it was, Interestingly enough, my mom, who is the kind of entrepreneur in our family, um, because the concept of somebody paying you to make them work out was just like, what? Right. She actually said, well, honey, if after a few months you have to get a real job, you know, that's okay. And uh, <laughs> it wasn't her being non-supportive. It was right. simply her having no idea what, like me, not really understanding the whole podcast thing. It was her just not understanding what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just where I was, it was the situation where um, it was a smaller gym where we had the option to just simply pay rent to the gym and then we could do our thing. And so kind of just fell into my lap that way. Had the gym I'd been at been the kind where, oh, we're going to hire you as an employee, then that probably would have been the route I went because it was simply what was um, the option at the time. Right. And so as you started that journey how did you begin to kind of create craft to where you are currently your approach your ideals your the feeling of how you wanted things to go and leading up to where you are now so I started when I was actually in grad school and I was going to grad school for sports psychology having this uh this grand fantasy that I was going to be a sports psychologist and mm -hmm. work with athletes and uh, unfortunately, it was a, a little bit, uh, the program was a bit misrepresented to me, and that is not at all the type of program it was. It was very theoretical, research-based. Right. Um, but, you know, once you're in a program and you're getting uh, it paid for because you have a TA position, you don't just leave. At least. Right. <laughs> I didn't. And so um, I was actually working at a gym just to make it easy to study and, and a gal that was there as the trainer was uh, having a baby wanted someone to take her clients while she was gone and thought I'd be great at it so I got certified and and it was like this oh my gosh this is everything I love it's working with people it's exercise it's talking about nutrition it's it's really 90 percent people skills and psychology and 10 percent here's the exercises you need to do right right um, so as I, you know, got to do more and, and really um, lots of different people from all shapes and sizes, all ages. I think my youngest client was 14. My oldest client at the time was in her 
uh, late 60s who had never, ever exercised before. And then I had everything in between. Um, some who, again, never exercised before. Others who, you know, were really um, wanting to um, try to do a physique competition or, you know, lots and lots of different things. And so I think what I just really loved the most about all of it was that it was always different. It was at no hour was the same. And it was literally like I was just hanging out with friends and I was helping them figure out some stuff. Whether right. that was um, <laughs> helping them figure out how to clean up certain nutrition things or how to have a hard conversation with their teenager or mm-hmm. um, how to prepare for the, the, the looming, uh, you know, cuts at work that might be coming. It was just always that, that conversational where I just want to help problem solve. I want to help you figure out what you can do to just make your situation better. Yeah. You know, I, I can heavily identify with that. I think that um, most of my career in fitness and wellness, health and wellness has been uh, so much psychological. And, And I also have a very similar thing with school was when I went to do my doctorate, um, I totally thought it was more of a sports psychology thing. And then I was also a graduate assistant and I got in, I was like, this isn't really what I wanted to do <laughs> actually. So mm-hmm. it was very similar, but it was getting paid for and stuff. I was like, mm, I'm just going to stick it out and do it. You know, the whole thing. So I was smiling. I was like, I definitely know what that's like, <laughs> that feeling, but yeah, I definitely, you know, heartening for sure. It is, but... it is. Um, but definitely, I think, you know, working with people, even to this day, with all of the the folks I work with, there's, there's just so much of a, a psychosocial element to it. And I think sometimes I have struggled, I think, in my career. I was just talking to my wife about this, about like, you know, going to fitness conventions and things of that nature. And uh, I always don't feel like I belong there mm-hmm. when I'm there. I I I, I look like I, I look very fit, like, oh, I'm one of these people, you know, but like I... I'm I'm not, uh, while I have a lot of education, I understand the science, the hardcore stuff of it. I'm just so much about the psychosocial, emotional element of it. And I always feel like that's not tackled a lot. I totally agree. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, why? where is this? This is most of the work, actually, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, I wonder if part of that has to do with, you know, when it like became a thing to be a personal trainer and how you can just get a, you can just get a certification out of the back of the book. Right. Um, I wonder if that is kind of where, you know, where we, we lost the actual personal piece of it. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> it's interesting to me, but um, yeah, I, I agree. And I think so as the, my evolution of my career progressed um, due to, you know, circumstances with the economy. I mean, I, I lived through the horrible economy where literally all of my clients either lost their jobs. Right or moved because they can no longer afford to live in Boulder, Colorado, mm-hmm. um, you know, for one reason or another. So I was literally down to working four hours a week. Right. And so whenever anyone tells me, oh, gosh, I might lose my job, I'm like, yeah, and guess what? You'll get unemployment. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Guess what? I won't. <laughs> Very true. Um, but it's okay. You know, the choices, I made that choice and, and, Thankfully, my parents instilled in me, you save before you spend. So I was able to survive a really horrible economy um, without losing, you know, anything. Um, but also then had to be resourceful. And how am I going to 
what am I going to do? So that's kind of the same time that on-site wellness started to really emerge as more of a thing as well. And so one of my um, clients at the gym I was still working at um, was working at, you know, at his company. He said, well, you should look into this. We do health fairs and we have people who come in and they coach us on stuff. And I was I have no idea what you're talking about, but okay. Uh, well, it turns out that's like on-site biometric screening. So I right. got hooked in with a couple of uh, providers who did that and really started to see, you know, the potential of corporate wellness and, um, and then I did have people who own their own companies and they would say, Hey, will you come in and just, you know, teach my group about how to eat healthy because we travel so much. What are some ideas or how we can get a quick workout in? Cause you know, we, we're all unhealthy. We're all eating junk. Um, we're not sleeping, you know, all this stuff. So I sort of started to create uh, catalogs of topics and things that I thought were interesting and things that honestly are my conversations would always evolve to uh, mm-hmm. with the, the clients I was training and we would talk about these things and they would like, Oh, you need to come and tell this to my family or to the rest of my coworkers or, or, you know, whatever the case was. And so um, that's really how my uh, career evolved into doing more of wellness education and wellness trainings. And, um, you know, again, just with the, the overall focus and the mission is to just help people be healthier humans. That's, my business name is Better Beings because I just want people to be better beings. That's it. Whatever that means. I, want, I love it. I, absolutely, I was, you know, looking through it beforehand and just, you know, you know, you check everybody out beforehand. You say, what are they up to? You look at the websites and all that and uh, really connect to it. I think it's a wonderful thing you're doing and we're definitely going to expand upon that a little bit more. But I wanted to ask a question and that question is in your time being in the business, what has changed the most about the health and wellness business um, that you've seen over time? Ooh, I don't know if it's changed or if I have changed um, because I've been in it for so long. I think mm-hmm. definitely one of the big changes is it's, it's not unique anymore to have a trainer. Um, it's not yes. a big deal. It's not like, ooh, you must be rich. <laughs> you must you be know? rich. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, remember that. Exactly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's certainly there. I think there was definitely a, a period of time where it was anybody could be a trainer. Here you go. I think we're getting away from that a little more now as well. So I think it's kind of swinging the other way where, um, you know, there is value in actual education and actually um, having experience and knowing what the right kind of workout is for somebody based on their goals, not just here's the canned workout that everybody's right. doing this week. Um, but I, I think it, you know, and I'm here in Denver, Colorado, so I'm kind of in a, a bit of a bubble. You're in the hub um, right there. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am in the hub. So mm-hmm. we have, uh, you know, some kind of specialty fitness studio literally every two blocks. There's right. Something special. If you want to do this, you can go pay your $170 a month and you can do that. <laughs> and, right. You want to rock uh, climb, and, you don't want to do all this stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So this, the kind of the specialty workouts, I think, are there. I think, uh, you know, the, like the group challenges, of course, with technology, with Fitbit and all you can hook into everybody and you can compete against everybody. So, you know, there's just more of all that, too, because of connectivity and technology. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Did I answer the question? No, you did. <laughs> you okay. did. I just I like to 
understand that perspective from different professionals in, in our industry, just where they see things going. I think maybe a, another question would be is, how do you, do you think people have changed and the client, the consumer has changed over the course of your lifetime, or is it just very similar approaches or attitudes towards health and wellness? I think there's definitely more of a focus on it for sure. And almost always still, it comes from a point of, I want to lose weight. That's almost always, right. still, no matter what that is. It's always that goal. point of view. Yeah. Yep. Uh, now, many others will have different points of view. I know as I've gotten older, so has my clientele. So mm -hmm. I'm like uh, the trainer to all the 70-plus-year-olds in my building, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is great because I love that. You know, people yeah. are knowing that it's never too late to do something. I would really encourage people to start sooner rather than later, but it's never too late to do something because anything you do going forward is only going to be beneficial. Um so as far as who I train, I would say most of my clients uh, are probably, you know, my age and older. Not that I won't train someone younger. I certainly would. Yeah. Um, I also do very little personal training anymore. I just, that's not a, a big chunk of my business anymore. But I do like right. to observe when I'm working out at my various gyms. I like to watch trainers. And mm -hmm. Sometimes I just feel bad for that client. Like, oh boy, he just, <laughs> you, you drew a bad straw. You drew a bad one. Know. Yeah. Right? And they don't know because they don't have anything to compare it to. That, that, uh, and so that, uh, from a trainer point of view, watching that happen is ooh, it's like nails on a chalkboard. And yet it's not my role to step in and say anything. So I'm not going to cross that boundary. Right. Right. It was interesting. Um, I was having a conversation with one, one of my other podcast guests about I think it was, you know, as you as you get older as a trainer and you start, you know, you're in a gym and maybe you're doing your own workout and stuff like that and you see things happening. It's like, man, I want to say something, but I also don't want to be that person who's like coming up to everybody like, hey, you should be doing this or that. And it's a weird line that you're trying mm -hmm. to tow, but it's very difficult to ignore it, too. It's just I always find that as, a, as it's strange. It, it pops up in my mind every once in a while, but it's gotten better for me over, I mean, I've been in almost 20 years and I'm just like, listen, I, I, you know, people get very defensive if you try to, you know, you got to have a certain approach to it, but you know, people, they do what they're doing. And, exactly. And you know, yeah. it's kind of like they're on that wheel. And if you disturb that wheel, even a little, it gets, it can be ugly, you know? When, and Darren, I got to tell you, I learned that lesson the hard way because when I was a very young trainer and thought, oh, I'm just going to help people, right? That's yes. what we want to do. Right. Um, I, I was working at the small gym that I worked at and, you know, saw a gentleman doing something that not only was ineffective, but probably is going to end up in an injury. Right. And I very nicely went and said, hey, would you mind if I showed you a way that that, that could be a little more effective? And he looked at me and said, honey, I've been lifting weights all my life. I don't need advice from some young girl. Oh, man. And I said, <laughs> okay, well, have a good workout. And I walked away with like, oh. Because, oh. <laughs> of course, I have to see this person almost every day. I mean, right. out at the gym I'm a trainer at. But I think a lot of people also assume that you're just trying to hustle for clients. Right. Right. Instead right. of, no, yeah. I actually didn't need any more clients. I'm just seeing you do something that oof, I would love to correct you on that. 
Well, it's, I think you totally, totally get that. And I think it's something like people's bodies, especially with exercise. There's this weird mentality that because it's your body, you know what you're doing. Right. And you should know how to move your body in these ways. And then often people, they learn how to move their bodies through whether it's high school or some person told them something, whatever, throughout the course of their life. And then they take that and then they hammer that thing home. If, they're, if they are regular with exercise, that becomes their every time they go, same thing, same mm -hmm. technique, whatever it is. And it's almost like if you're telling them that there's an alternative way, you're shattering this thing that they've been mm. doing. And I compare that to whatever other systems of um, what you believe in and things outside of fitness and wellness, where you can take it to a lot of things. As soon as you provide an alternative thing, people get very defensive about that mm -hmm. because it could shatter how they actually do something or produce a movement in this case. And, right. and it takes a strong person to not let their ego overtake them right? Um, and say, right. hey, you know what? Yeah, sure. Give me a, a tip on this. I would love to know that. That's very difficult for people to do. Yeah. No, you're totally right. And I'm sure in some way it, it, it's that defense mechanism because it means that you've been, you're telling me I've been doing this wrong. Right. Right. Are you saying I'm wrong for doing it this way? I'm doing right. this lat pull down, pulling it behind my head. Oh, I've been doing this oh, military press not... since 1985. And right. uh, I did this all the time. You know, I'm big. I'm, I'm strong. You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yes. that's you go ahead and yeah. destroy your C1, C2. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, that's <laughs> one of my favorites. That I have to say the pulling behind the head on the lat pull yeah. down is one have of my, fun. like, I can't, I can't watch. I just. I turn my head. I just can't watch it. <laughs> yeah. In fact, the other day I experienced this. I was saying this the other day. It's like at the, this resort gym that I, that I go to near where I live and I train. And there's this gentleman. He's always doing the lat pull down. It's in front of him. But he's like doing the thing, you know, where you swing it as hard as you can. Oh, yeah. And then you're basically like horizontal. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. And it looks so bad. And I want to be like, just lighten the weight. Let's focus yeah. on actually going the movement. But I know, I feel like it would just, it would blow up, you know, like, yeah, you just never know. And I'm like, one day that guy's not going to come back up from that. Right. <laughs> like, right. And I'm going to well, be watching kinda, it. it to, to help me kind of get through some of those situations. I just, I'm like, okay, we got swingers and slammers. And I'm just be like, oh, there's a swinger. We got a swinger in the house. And then there's the slammers. Like, okay, we got the slammer in the gym today. Slingers and, and slammers. Turn your music up and turn your eyes away and do your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. You were like, oh, this somebody's going to get hurt. And I, uh, God, I mean, why do I have to be next to this person? Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. And I've, I've struggled with that. Like, do I have some kind of professional ethical responsibility? Yeah. To, if, if, and, you know, I don't. <laughs> no, I feel like I don't actually. I'm I'm very similar to you. I did struggle with that for a long time, and I had a a, a large training staff for well over a decade that oversaw this the club I ran, and it was like I used to tell them because they you know the young trainers they get in there and they want to save the world, you know. Mm -hmm. they, yeah. I'm gonna save the world through fitness. I'm gonna like make so many people fit. Blah, blah, you know, when you get older, you're like, okay, wait, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, yeah. kind of thing. And I'm like, you know, stay away from Mr. So-and-so. He is not going to do well with you talking to mm -hmm. him about this stuff or, or this woman or this whoever, you know. And I think it's that, that youthfulness and thinking I'm going to change everything. Mm -hmm. 
And until you get older and you start ga- gaining some experience under your belt about, you know, how people operate, it, it changes over time, you know? It does. I actually had a, so I, I live in a high rise and we have a fitness facility here. So a decent number of my clients are my neighbors and I love them. Right. I really do. I actually had somebody who's not my client, but who works out regularly say to me one time, well, why do you keep training her? Nothing's changed. She hasn't changed at all. And I was like, what are you talking about? Well, she hasn't lost any weight. Like, I'm like, huh. I said, well, first of all, number one, I'm with her three times, three hours a week. I'm not in control of what she does the other however many yeah. hours in the week. So my job is to give her a good workout. Second of all, you don't even know what her goal is. Why do, right. why do you assume that her goal is to lose weight? I mean, you have no idea anything about who she is and what she's trying, what she's right. here for. So to make that kind of judgment, I was like, huh. And, and it was like, wow, you're just totally judging something you have no, no idea anything about. But right. also you assume that her lack of result is, is a reflection of me as a trainer. Right. No, uh-uh, nope. <laughs> And I think that is, especially new trainers, they do think, and they tie that, like, oh, if my client, he actually said to me, well, if I was training her, I would, I would stop, I would tell her stop, because I don't want that to be a representation of my work, and I was like, wow, <laughs> good, good, you go, you go with that, I'm good. You go with that, you go <laughs> yeah. with that, I think we're fighting, think that, you know. I, I think that might be the attitude of, of you know, people, some people still, some trainers for sure, you know, that they, oh, I would they think really so, take yeah. it personally um, when someone hasn't, you know, followed the meal plan or gotten in their <laughs> cardio, like, hey, you do you, I'm doing my job, that's what I'm here for, and the rest is up to you. <laughs> so you've been in the business too long like me we're just we're just very realistic about it yes. we're just like eh, you know i i show we showed up we did our thing hey man I, I you know i know what i'm doing i did my job i don't know what the hell you did the rest of the time but i did my thing <laughs> yeah. and you know what and i think it's hard for people to also kind of understand sometimes that uh some people are not there to become the fittest person they're right. just not there for that it's it's no. hard to understand people will say I would, I would, you know, um, now my training business is very different than what it used to be. But when I was mainly in person with people, it was people come up to me. I can't believe they're paying for this stuff. You're, <laughs> you're, why would somebody pay for this feeling that you're giving them? Yeah. And it was just like, it's just, it's just weird. Like people feel like they, this, this verbal diarrhea they want to spew out to you about their feelings about what you're doing with somebody else. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just I always felt that was strange. I'm like, and I told one guy, I said, what if I came to your job and said, man, why are you paying this person to do this architectural work? This just seems weird, these designs. Yeah. And then the guy was like, oh, never mind. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, what gives you the right to come up here and put me on trial? Yeah. You know, just because we're in an open space and a gym and stuff. I'm like, what if I just walked up into your building and did that? That's You're literally doing the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. Like, Totally. I never and, even thought of it that way, but yeah, <laughs> let's go. I'm going to use that next time. It's, I used to, man, I'm the king of comparison and stuff. Like I would always be like, you know, and people, you know, like, oh, I'm like, well, what do you do for a living? You know, and it was, oh, I'm the CEO of the president's company. I'm like, how long did it take you to get to that point? Oh, like 20 years. I'm like, you think you're going to get fit in next week? You mm-hmm. think it works like that? Mm-hmm. You think really? And it's the disrespect of, 
of, of the profession in some sense is like, just, just get me fit in 30 days. Right. You know, like I'm on a cliff program. You know, I need to go to this wedding. I need to be <laughs> at this plane and then I'll just drop off for a while. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. And it's just so we're so it's so misunderstood. The business is what I have seen, at least. And I want to talk to you about this. But a lot of what my business is these days with the select people that I have is, is very much companionship as well. You know? Absolutely. My clients will all tell you they have the best therapy deal in town. Of course. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I get a good workout. We get good conversation. Many of my clients are friends outside of the gym as well. Um, right. It's just, a, it's, you know, it, it's just a natural thing. I mean, I've become a little better about being selective with that over years. And again, I don't have a lot of clients anymore anyway, so it's kind of filtered out. But even people who I no longer train, they're still my friends. I still see them. We still talk. Right. So it's not that, oh, this client trainer relationship is over. So see ya. Never going to talk to you again. <laughs> just just, just no. not the way I operate. Unless I really didn't have a connection with you and, you know, and that's fine too. Um, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally, totally agree. So tell me a little bit more. I want to learn more about this book that you have out. And, uh, you know, and better beings, it's just really, I'd like to be great for the audience to really get a, a good in-depth understanding of what you're doing. And as you mentioned, you know, you care about people being better beings, regardless of what that is. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I came up with my business name literally right from the get-go because I just started to think about, well, what is, what am I doing? I'm helping people create better bodies through fitness. Uh, both inside and outside. When I talk about the body, I'm talking about your internal health as well, blood pressure, you know, um, cholesterol, diabetes risk, all of that. Um, I'm hopefully helping them have better minds through talking through things, working on how to change mindset, right? Looking at different perspectives. Um, so better minds, better bodies, better beings. Um, right. so that's kind of how the, the evolution of the business name came. And then the book is, um, it's pretty much the marriage of a 10 week class that I created, uh, just a lifestyle improvement kind of class, um, and my own personal wellness journey slash story lessons of life that I've learned so far. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, it's called the U Revolution. So the U Revolution is a 10-week class. I had one of my corporate um, contacts ask me to create a, a, a robust lifestyle change program for their client, which at the time was Denver Public School Systems. Um, and so I just started to, you know, at that point, I'd already kind of gone through a little bit of a uh, journey of my own and made some breakthroughs and tried to, you know, really um, figure my own stuff out. Why was I doing things that weren't helpful and, you know, self-sabotaging in certain ways? And what are right. things that I, that I know were helpful for me to break through that, that I know a lot of other people struggle with. And as I just, you know, sort of reflected on all of that, I came up with the 10 weeks, which pretty much embodies every aspect of physical, mental, and emotional well-being from, nutrition to fitness to stress management, sleep. Uh, I talk a lot about hormones and how hormones rule every little thing in your life and your world. Um, I talk about, you know, the power of thought, your mind, uh, mind matters, um, goal setting, you know, what is wellness? What does that even mean to you? Right. 
so it's it's all of that and and then it's uh you know every i teach from my own point of experience so i've always been very open when i am teaching a class to share my own story um because i i definitely find that that helps people relate and connect definitely. because you know, I mean, I'm no fitness model by any means, but I, I'm, I'm pretty fit. I, you know, I've taken care of myself and you might, if you don't know me, look at me and think, oh, she's never had to struggle at all. <laughs> right. That is so not the, not the, <laughs> um, so the one really huge benefit that I did get from my um, master's program of theoretical modeling. And it's funny because I just, this just was a light bulb moment for me about two months ago. My master's thesis was on modeling behavior. Do you learn better when you are watching somebody do it perfectly over and over and over? Or do you mm -hmm. learn better when you are watching someone who's like you, who you're a novice and then you improve and you improve and you improve? Well, it turns out most people learn better when they are watching somebody who's more like them. Right. Um, and, you know, I was in grad school in 1997. So this is, again, feels like a million years ago. But I had this uh, little disagreement with my editor who he was like, well, you need to take all this personal stuff out of this book because it's oh, yeah. away <laughs> from your message. And I'm like, come on. What? <laughs> no, not gonna, No, sorry. Not winning that one. So, yeah. and then I really, you know, I just go back to everything that I've, all the feedback I get from when I teach. And, and that's always the number one thing. I really appreciate that she shared her story and, you know, she told us, you know, what she went through and how she busted past it. It really helps me recognize that I can do it too. And seeing the similarities is really empowering. And, you know, it, I mean, it's not rocket science. It's pretty, I think <laughs> it's kind of common sense, but apparently some people don't see that or think that. So. I think for a lot of people, they don't see that. I mean, there are many things that are very simple, but the action portion of it is very difficult. And actually, what I, you'll like, uh, yesterday I had a podcast guest on Sarah Diss, who was a, a researcher in public health, very fascinating mm. and really amazing information related to social norms and population growth and demographics and how people choose to do certain things. And it's, it's very similar along these lines and why people do things and why they don't. And even though they're really simple things, it's very difficult for people to act on them, yeah. on it. Just reminded me uh, of that. But I want to ask you, what were your breakthroughs? You said that it was kind of a key phrase. What are the breakthroughs you were discussing where you were saying that you had your own breakthroughs? What were those? Mm. Yeah. So after I quit gymnastics, I was a gymnast for my whole childhood and uh, I'd say developed a not super healthy relationship with food because of it. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I quit, <laughs> um, I actually, I wrote a note and put it on my coach's car and quit uh, October 18th, 1989 of my senior year of high school. I remember mm -hmm. it like it was yesterday. Right. And then I hit up every single Dairy Queen in town and ate like the largest <laughs> blizzard I could at every right. because I was like, woohoo, I don't have to get a leotard for anybody. I'm free. <laughs> yeah. So um, proceeded to just eat my way through the next uh, couple of years. <laughs> um, always right. exercised, luckily, thankfully, that was just ingrained as a lifestyle that never went away. So I'm, I'm actually really grateful for that. Um, but yeah, it, the outcome was not really awesome. Let's <laughs> just put it right. that way. Um, and then I, I went to, I moved away and went to school in Hawaii and, um, 
you know, everybody there is either really little because they're um, Asian, Japanese descent, which are very small people, mm-hmm. or they're large because they're Polynesian and they're, you know, there's, there's that or the, or the other, or they're these like really super fit California people. Right, know? right. Totally and, see that there. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, here again, I just don't fit in at all. I'm just like this big fat white girl. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's just what I was. And it's, it, it's really wasn't me. Um, and so, you know, I had to kind of figure it out. And you want to, you want to participate in college and fun and going out and eating late, staying up late and this, that, and the other, none of, of course, which is conducive to maintaining or losing weight or being healthy. Of course not. Right. So um, I just needed to get honest with myself and kind of figure out my crap. And my crap was this, was I was pissed off for a long time that I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Right. That's in my own very juvenile mind, how I saw it. I loved gymnastics, loved it and wanted to do it. But the the reality of it is being a good gymnast and carrying extra weight don't go together. <laughs> they right. just don't. And so, um, you know, it really did. It was a, it was a big internal struggle, even as I was a gymnast, just fearing food. It's not fair. All my friends can eat what they want and I can't. Oh, the holidays, everybody gets to enjoy the holidays, but I don't because competition starts in January so it was just this constant, uh, you know, like, this just isn't fair and really negative attitude about it. Um, so I had to just decide that it was time to put my big girl panties on and I'm the one who's making these choices. And if you don't like the outcome, then you need to change what you're doing. Um, and, you know, determine that, um, yes, I love food, but at the same time, um, I can also learn to say no to stuff that's not leading to an outcome that I'm okay with. Right. And it's hard. It, and, you know, I mean, like everything. Of course. Hard. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Totally true. You did the work to, to meet yourself. And that's, uh, I'm saying what Sarah did said yesterday when I interviewed her, she's like, you know, with a lot of public health changes and things, you got to be willing, willing to, and ready to meet yourself mm-hmm. and be honest with yourself and say, Hey, this comes back to me. Yeah. What do I need to do to make these changes? How can I be someone that can make this change and be an example of that? But you got to meet yourself for that. You can't, you know, say, oh, this person did it. It was because of that, because of this. Like, mm-hmm. you got to meet you. Yeah. And I found that very powerful. And, but I also found it, and I was telling her, like, it's just so hard for people to do. It require, requires a lot of self-reflection and honesty with yourself, which can be very difficult for people. Absolutely. And it's difficult being the person standing up, telling people you need to be honest with yourself. You need to make your choices, right? It's called personal responsibility. Yeah. I am the common thread in every single thing that happens. It's true, right? So on some level, I'm responsible. Sometimes my level of responsibility is like 0.0005. Sometimes my level of responsibility is 100%. But there's always some level of it. And I think when you take ownership of that, and then you just get to decide. And 
no matter what topic I'm teaching on or who I'm coaching or counseling at the time, that's, that always ends up being spoken. Well, it's hard. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> so what? Okay. <laughs> Life is hard, right? I mean, <laughs> pick your heart. I mean, that's one of my, that's definitely one of my phrases. You think it's hard to eat healthy? Call me in 20 years when you've had your foot amputated because of your diabetes and tell me, tell me if that's hard. oh man it's the tough love trainer in me that comes out because I've had those really tough love conversations with myself I mean I don't right I don't I'm not not judging anybody anything I say or teach is because I've had to do it to myself with myself be honest get real own it own it you know I've had to do all of it as well and yeah it's hard that's yep yeah I mean you you can't take the heart out of it it's just going to be it's just going to be work. I had an interesting thought about what you said. Uh, one of my clients is a, a clinical psychologist, and she had a good point. Well, an interesting point one time was, you know, was, she's like, you know, I'm, I, when I'm working with people, you know, it's obviously it's hard because, you know, they're, you're, they're, you're wanting them to make this change and you're, you're talking, you're talking and you're working towards hopefully making a change. And, and then some people, all they do is talk and they never change. And you're going over and over again with them. What mm-hmm. we need, what needs to be done, yada, yada. And she says, you know, one of the things she does is just provide a very simple, uh, basically a uh, response after, if they haven't tr- done the hard work to change, just go, okay, if you're not willing to do the hard work that requires you to get to a better outcome, then we're, our next uh, line of work is going to be you accepting where you're at. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're just if, if you're accepting your mediocrity of what you think you are. So if if you're not going to change, then let's just accept where you're at yeah. and move from there. Absolutely. I talk about that, too. I think, you know, the three things that we can do in the face of something that we don't like, we can complain about it, we can change it, or we can change our attitude about it. Right. Those are your options. And complaining is easy. That's why we do it. Very easy. <laughs> exactly. Changing it comes way hard. too easy. Yeah, yeah. right. Change is hard and changing your attitude is hard. But I always say the healthy choice is the hard choice. That's, that's just what it comes down to. So, yeah. And, and I, I actually just had this discussion with a group today. I just wrapped up with DPS. I did a five-week kind of summer of self-care class. And our last uh, week was this week. And we had a little group discussion. And, you know, there are some people that are really, really struggling to be consistent. And this this phrase, um, it, it just, it really bothers me when people are like, oh, I fell off the wagon. I'm like, what wagon <laughs> is this that you are speaking what's, of? What's this wagon? What is this wagon, <laughs> right? I mean, you, there's no on and off. This is just life. And every choice you make is either going to get you closer to where you say you want to be, or it's not. It's going to be one or the other. And if you made a choice that is not get, getting you closer to where you want to be. It's not the end of the world. But if you keep making those choices to think that you're ever going to get to where you want to be is like, it's just, just, it's just not reality. So then own it. Then be okay with it. Say, you know what? No, I, I'm going to stop putting the pressure on myself to achieve this thing because clearly I'm not willing to right. make the hard choices that are necessary to get there. And that's okay. Right. It's totally fine. fine if you really are okay with that. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just an interesting place for people to be. You know, I think it's just, 
it speaks is very prevalent into what we do with health and wellness with people and such as gigantic industry it's, it's grown so big and what people are influenced by and and say hey you know i i want to be like that i want to feel this way i want to look this way and do all that and they just think oh it'll happen it's going to happen I'll, i'm going to get out there and do it and then they realize this is this is a ridiculous amount of effort that i mm-hmm. to get to this to to get to where i want to be and often like somebody goes into a, a, a fitness space wherever it may be and they may see somebody who is much closer to their personal finish line when you're starting at the start line mm-hmm. yeah and you get very discouraged by that people get like wow look at how fit everybody is in here and you don't know their journey right and what it took to get there it's like you you got to look at where you're at and start there and yeah. and that it's going to take some work hey, this is this ain't no free pass you yeah. know yeah <laughs> Well, I think going back to what you asked before of how has, you know, the industry changed, I think, um, you know, because of social media and, and, and the constant comparison, right, this is now what we're comparing as this is the norm and that these people just like emerged out of nowhere looking like this. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably didn't happen that way. My, one of my favorite things that especially women, I'm a huge, huge proponent of getting women to do strength training. And inevitably somebody will say, well, I don't want to look like a bodybuilder. I'm like, I promise you, you are in (sighs) no danger of that. I promise. (laughs) You're three times a week, 45 minute circuit training. I promise. I really do. (laughs) The best part was in you're in no danger of this. (laughs) I can't do that. You've you've been on the blog like me. When people tell you that, you just, you kind of, I just got to give them the deadpan look. I'm like, do you know what it takes to get to the level you think that you might be achieving? Like you're not willing to do that. I guarantee. And I, and I know you've listened to some of the podcasts and I was a collegiate athlete and I know the grind super hard, man. And I know the incredible amounts of volume of exercise and technique work and skill it takes to be even somewhat good. Yes. And if 30 minutes, three times a week, 45 minutes, you think you're getting, you're, you're way off, like yeah. way off. Yeah. <laughs> We're scratching the surface, barely yeah. even that with what you're allowing me to do with you. Yeah. you know? Well, I think too, just in, you know, the society we're in now is this instant result with no effort mentality. <laughs> and I don't know when uh, that came to be. I really Yeah, don't. tell me. I want to know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm think, confused I by really this. I think it came when, um, when microwaves came into being. Because that mm. is probably the first thing that we had that was literally almost an instant result with almost no effort. Right. At least that's what I remember. Mm. Now, of course, interesting. I mean, with, with Google, right? The internet, oh, yeah. instant result, no effort. I mean, we just don't have to put really a lot of effort into anything or, or a lot of things and we can get somewhat instant results, right? I just click a button on my phone and groceries show up at my door the next day. I mean. You're so right. <laughs> Actually, you, you just went on a pathway of a podcast I was just listening to before we got on. It's Freakonomics Radio. It's a very interesting mm-hmm. podcast. And they, they brought on all these behavioral scientists onto the show. And this one guy, he won the Nobel Prize for basically his theory of nudging people. And it's a sense that, you know, basically providing these systems that nudge people towards having better outcomes. So say, hey, don't give people an option to do a 401k, let's say, in the job. Just automatically enroll them in, grow it for them. If you give them a choice, 
it's going to be messy related to it. And he was like, this whole nudging theory really goes, is, is related to convenience and making people's lives easier for that. Mm-hmm. And I think you're, you're right. The microwave is, I, I, I remember when we first got a microwave when I was growing up and this kind of new invention of like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, it's going to give you cancer if you stand in front of it and all these weird things. Remember, do you remember oh, that? Yeah. Yes. I remember that. My mom's like, don't stand in front of it. okay (laughs) and it's just incredible like the things we do to try to make our lives easier and easier and listen some of it i'm I'm definitely into but you know it's i'd be a fool to say that i didn't like having uber and stuff like that i enjoy it and i i go out and hang out with my friends it's i'm pumped about it it's way easier for me it's cheap it's convenient and i'm being safer that way but right Sometimes it's like with health and wellness, there's no getting around it. I don't think. Well, yeah, and I think I think part of it is people um, because of the because of back in the day, like healthy choices were just naturally the only option. Like you said, don't give them options. Well, back in the day, you hunted and gathered. What you hunted and gathered for was real food. There was right. no artificial stuff, so we didn't have the choice to put that in. There was rarely an excess of it to eat, so we didn't get in that situation. Um, you know, we had our community, our tribe. We didn't have all this external influence. Right. We had real threats to our lives, the famine, the drought, a big beast wanted to eat me. Um, you know, other tribes wanted to fight for my land. But right. they were pretty occasional. They weren't constant. And so we didn't have to try to be healthy people. It was just naturally (laughs) built into our existence. Right. And so, yes, we do have all these really amazing and wonderful things nowadays that, of course, we didn't have then. And they've provided us lots of wonderful opportunities to grow and connect in different ways and be, you know, see and do amazing things and some are for convenience and all of this good stuff. But if that's all I'm doing, if everything I'm doing is for convenience, at some point, it's going to be at the expense of some level of your physical or mental well-being. I would agree. It's kind of, um, my wife always talks about this. You should remember when the whole movement, you know, better living through science, better eating through science and, you know, mm-hmm. the instant meals and uh, what was it, TV dinners and things of that nature. And you think to yourself, yeah, that that's going to help me out. It's going to be more efficient, but it has unintended consequences, these things. Right. And, and you don't think about what those unintended consequences that we've made our lives so convenient that now we have a much, we have a pandemic almost with, with obesity and unhealthiness and people are just so used to just pushing a button. Yeah. And I don't, you know, my favorite restaurant now does Uber Eats. Yep. Or it does, you know, Postmates. I don't have to go to the Asian food restaurant. They right? can just bring it to me. Yes. And I can, I don't have to move at all. Yep. And yeah. while, the, while movement is very ancient to us, it's, it's very hardwired in us. We're like killing these, these natural processes and, and who we are as people to get out and be active and move our bodies and I just, I get weirded out about it. I'm like, you know, it's, we are, we, we do, we are supposed to move here, you know, <laughs> yeah. like sit around all the time. Right. Well, and I think too, um, you know, how you grew up and, and what you were, uh, what you were raised around, but 
also now we know a lot more than we did. When TV dinners first came out, we didn't have the research and the knowledge to recognize that, ooh, we do too much of that, and now we're going to have some issues, right? So yeah. now we have all of that research and information to draw back upon and say, huh, okay, well, a TV dinner every now and then is probably fine. It's okay. Right. I'm not going to die from one TV dinner, but if that's your life, if everything you eat comes in a box or a wrapper, <laughs> right. I don't know. Probably not the best thing yeah. for you. You know, it's, it's interesting you talk about where you grow up and um, there's, there's uh, some research, interesting research on zip code health. Mm. And where you grow up and where you live in migration patterns of people um, is really fascinating stuff. I, I, I'm, I'm a big learner of different types of research and things of that related to health and wellness and not just fitness and, you know, nutrition and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really this, this social or the societal effect of health and wellness is very fascinating to me. And uh, I think that that's something that's just it's a multifactorial uh, deal that we're we're working with, you know, and it is an individual deal, different people. And, you know, we, we want to cookie cut things with people like let's just give all these people this thing. You know what? Everybody's on this diet. Keto's good for everybody. Let's just mm-hmm. get on it and all this stuff. And it's like we repeat the same mistakes over and over again, which is always curious to me. Well, and I think it goes back to people just want the magic answer, right? Just give me the answer. Right. Just give me the quick fix. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Oh, this is the one? Okay, great. Great. Yeah. <laughs> because it goes back to nobody wants to do the hard work. Have you heard of this, um, like, exercise pill that recently has oh, – no. uh, You're like, no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's on that podcast, too. Speaking of podcast, Freakonomics Radio, it was right. funny. Like, yeah, so- Get that one on my list. You got to watch. You got to listen to it. It's in, in, in the guy's smart, like the way he puts out the headline, it's like the zero minute workout. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> what is this? You know, this is good advertising. Mm-hmm. It pulls me in. Of course. And I'm listening to it. Right. And, he, you know, he's got all these great researchers on there. And what I thought was really interesting is he didn't put it on to kind of have people go, yes, there's this great pill and you don't need to work out. It was actually nothing like that. And actually, all the scientists were like, yes, there are, there is a pill that they have used with mice and stuff that mimic the improvements that people have with like specifically cardiovascular endurance. But that the, the danger is that one, well, one, it doesn't do what exercise does. It does maybe like one, one, one thousandth of what actual exercise does because it's complex and what it does to the body and the systems. But one of the researchers was saying that the care, you got to be careful about saying that this is an exercise pill because you, you're giving people license potentially to say, I'm good. I'm going to get this mm-hmm. pill. I ain't moving, man. Yep. I'm good. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. And I think you kind of touched on with like the headline, right? People just want that. Oh, here it is. It's, and that's all zero they minutes. They read the headline. They read the headline and don't read anything else. Mm-hmm. And then that's what they latch onto because that is the answer they've been looking for. And it's right there in that headline. Look, it says so. I don't have to work out. Like that's I right. can literally just take a pill yep. and not work out. I'm like, mm. 
Yep. It sounds too good to be true. It probably it's, is, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's always the quick fix, right? Well, I can't sleep. Oh, I'll take some Ambien. Oh, I have high blood pressure. Oh, there's a pill for that. Oh, I have <laughs> high blood sugar. Oh, there's a pill for that. You know what? There's a pill for that. Very yeah. likely, if you change some things in your lifestyle, you wouldn't need that pill. It would go away. <laughs> and you're right. I think it's that pushback of doing the work. Yeah. And I think it's that sobering. I've had many sobering moments with clients. You know, this was many years ago where I'm at in my practice now. It's uh, probably much like yours. You've been in the training business for a long time. You're, you're doing more than just training, you know, and all that and other other businesses. But you get to the point where like, listen, you hear enough. You're like, you're just not willing to work for it. That's just mm -hmm. the deal with it. I'm like, you we can go around this subject, but you're not willing to put in the time, the effort. And you want to train once a week? What? Why? Mm -hmm. To do what? <laughs> I'm like, we can talk once a week, have some coffee, I guess, you know, but the results you're looking for are going to require a tremendous commitment. What type of commitment are you willing to make? You know, yeah. and I think that's difficult for people, the concept of commitment and then having results that are not related to the type of commitment they're willing to give. They don't right. match. Right. Yeah. It's that's difficult. It's, it's this unrealistic expectation. Yeah. And why do we want it quick? And now I said, why do we want it quick? Then what happens once you get it? Yeah. Like, are you still, are you going to, is it going to make you happier if you get it right then? Yeah. It's well, like when people win the lottery or something, does that make them mm. happier com right then completely? Or is it long-term? I don't know. I don't think so. No, I think there's actually lots of documentaries on how horrible. A huge amount of documentaries. They, they, they go broke. The they go broke. <laughs> they their relationships crumbled. Yep. <laughs> it's a disaster. Yeah. Right. Because for most people, anything that's just handed to you, there's no value in that. There's no value in something that's just been dropped in your lap. So right. let's take this further. I want to take this further. We're going to dive deeper into that because you just said something that touched on something that is, I think, very... Andrew, I want to get your take on it. Let's just put it this way. So something earned. So kind of social media let's go back down the social media around i have Ooh. talked about this with people <laughs> I, know. I don't think we aren't we didn't earn it yeah you've heard it we it, didn't earn it no nope. and the the power of this phone that i have connected into my microphone and that has more computing power than an 80s computer the big gigantic desktop computer which i used to have a tandy back in the day our family it was yeah. ter <laughs> terrible computer terrible but We've been given this tremendous power. We did not earn it at all. We didn't earn, you know, all these apps and, you know, even the iPhone. I mean, like iPhones and smartphones in general have become so popular because they have crossed all demographics, socioeconomic lines. I mean, there's people who can't even get afford a place to live and they have an iPhone. Mm -hmm. Once that happened, it was game over yeah. <laughs> stuff, you know? So like, we're you're using things that we didn't earn and then we get surprised when the outcome of those things is loneliness depression disconnected uh, nature of people i mean what are your thoughts about that in social media i mean i have my thoughts clearly but what are yours you know oh yeah well i think it was your conversation with justin in particular that i was oh, like yeah. oh yes <laughs> you are my people <laughs> oh yes yes um, I have never liked social media from the, from day one, never liked it. Mm. I, just, I think maybe again, it's kind of goes back to me being an introvert. 
I do understand the value. I even, I write about social media in my book. I get it. I get there is value in being able to do things, you know, to, to connect with people you would never have an opportunity to connect with um, or, you know, to be able to keep up with, uh, with some people from long distance that otherwise it would just, it would just wouldn't be, you know, possible or feasible or, or really realistic. But when it completely takes the place of actual real human connection, it's not, it's not real. It's, there's, there's zero value. Right. There is zero value in, for me. There is zero value in having a thousand Facebook friends. Right. Who cares? I, I just, I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> so you were off from the beginning. You know, it's funny. I was definitely on in the beginning and then I became very disenfranchised very quickly. Well, I was like, I was, oh, I see what this is. I, yeah. I was on because that was the thing to do, right? But mm-hmm. I very quickly realized that, uh, uh, why do I have to call Stacy? I don't need to talk to her. I know everything she's doing because I just read her post. So <laughs> when I realized that I actually am not talking to people I always have talked to, that's, that's right. not okay with me. That just wasn't okay with me. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's, I know you talked about it with Justin, um, you know, that you're willing to miss out on things for business. By oh not yeah. That's it. fine. Believe yeah. me. I, I have had this conversation with many, many people who are business people and you have to do this and you need to do that. And I'm like, why? But why? Yeah. But why? Yeah. To? I really don't have to. That's the thing. And, you know, I do a little bit here and there now, but. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Just I just like questioning say, things. I just like favorite. questioning things. You know, I'm, I'm a very easygoing person, but I also am a questioner of things that when I see like a tremendous amount of people moving in one direction, I, I tend to question it. I go, okay. Uh, and not in the negative. I just go, I just like to, I just like to understand this a bit more before I become one of these people mm-hmm. and to hop on this. And I, you know, I was like, uh, and, and I, you know, listen, I did hop on it pretty early, but then I, I, I had a lot of self-reflection with it. And I thought, if this is what I need to do to become successful, then I'd rather not be successful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's okay. And who yeah. says, you know, this, this false interpretation of having volume and likes and things of that nature. I just, I didn't understand that. And like, I would tell my wife, I'd be like, why would you put that you went to the movies or you had this to eat? <laughs> Like when I grew up in the eighties, like if you like went outside and just yelled to people, like I went to the movies yesterday. <laughs> Can you right. imagine if somebody timed it could time travel right. and they were from like the seventies or eighties and then they time traveled to now and they went into a restaurant and saw all these people with their heads down <laughs> looking at stuff. They'd yeah. be like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. why, why are you doing that? Like, why would you post something about, your vacation, all these people that don't even know who you are. Like, well, and, and I, I think that's if, how I look at it. I wonder if part of it is that, you know, just having to have this external validation, like this, notice me, notice me, somebody notice me, right? Yes. If, if we're not yes. getting that in our real lives, then we're going to, now that we have this tool to get it, we can get it from somewhere else. But then again, it's now I have this convenience, so I don't have to do the work to get it in my real right. life. You know, it's actually, there's a theory related to this called spotlight theory. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, mm. but it's basically that 
the theory is that you believe that you're more important than you actually are. Mm-hmm. And that so people believe that you believe that everything you post, everything you put out is much more important or the other people really hang on to what you're saying more than you think they are. Mm-hmm. So basically like you're, you're, you may put this out, but honestly, a lot of people aren't that interested <laughs> on the scale yeah. because they are, they're too busy dealing with the whirlwind of their lives. And there's just so much of it now that it's saturated that it's actually not being picked up by as, it's not as important as you think it is. Or, oh, I put that out there. I don't know oh, this and that, but you're giving more value to it than there actually is. And I think yeah. people are putting out all this stuff thinking that it's going to go viral. It's going to make it amazing for me. And I have to do this to grow my client base. Who said that? Yeah. Why you know, do you, why do you? Yeah. And then, and then how did that get started? Well, it got started because somebody fueled that fire. Like I think about, you know, before social media, right. It was the groupies of the band. <laughs> I mean, yeah. now these people yeah. are so important because you have chosen to make them important. They're just people. Right. They're just, just people. okay. They're just people. <clears throat> You know, just movie stars, they're just people. They're no more important, more intelligent, more. They're just people. But we've elevated them simply because they have this giant platform. So now they must be more important. They must be. Must be more valuable. Um, Yeah. You know, it's like, well, I've been saying that for five years. Now, just because you're (laughs) famous. And you said it. Now it's like this amazing idea. It's amazing. It's yeah. strange, right? I yeah. don't know. I, I'm having trouble coexisting or existing in, in the age we're in. And I, like you said, I mean, I know there's good things to it. And, you know, I use like my LinkedIn to connect and find people like yourself and, you know, with this podcast. But I, I just am like, you know what? And if somebody says, oh, man, it's Instagram. You got all this stuff. And stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm willing to miss out on it. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I got other things to do. <laughs> well, I was off Facebook for a very, very long time and then only went back on it when I, um, when I was, you know, kind of revamping and, and re- redirecting the course of my business. And, you know, you got to people have to know you exist or no one's right. going to do anything with you. Yeah. And I tell you, it's been two years since I've been back on it, and it's the least enjoyable part of what I do. (laughs) And so, uh, unbeknownst to some people who I need to have a conversation with, I'm probably going to (laughs) be weaning myself off of it again. (laughs) That's okay. I was on it for a while, and I deleted it, and I immediately felt better. Yeah, I mean it's 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 been many many years since I've had Facebook, and I'm basically down to. LinkedIn. And uh, it's just human beings are terrible at doing like 10 different things at the same time. You know, it's like, why do we think we're good at like multitasking all these things? And we're just terrible at it. We're not. No, no. We're just so bad at it. And Facebook was like the first thing I got rid of because I felt like, man, this is a this is just a garbage dumpster, man. This is just bad news. Everybody's creeping on each other, you know, (laughs) saying weird stuff. And um, I think for me, it really came to a head as a fitness professional, health and wellness professional, like, I just don't want to be on here. I don't, you know, I always think the people who are really grinding and doing their job and really pushing, they don't have time for this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. too busy working, actually. Right. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> <laughs> when I do see these amazing posts, I think, 
how long did that take you? And yeah. what element of your life did you neglect so that you could do that? Like that's yeah. where my head goes with it because I, I don't know. It's either you either have a post that really means nothing or you have this post that's going to take you an hour to create. So it's actually thoughtful content. And right. it's like, okay, well, which way am I going to go? And then I'm like, oh, maybe it's not going to post. How about that? <laughs> I'll be honest with you. This may sound controversial. Uh, honestly, I don't care. I'm at the point in my career, I just don't care. And I, everybody I talk to that's like yourself or uh, some just really like established professionals, I, I never see them like shaking their ass all over the place yeah. and stuff. You know, I never see them yeah. like at some pool party and like, you know, like winning in Vegas or something, you know, and like, I don't see that. I, it's, it's basically a war between the established, you know, science-driven, uh, personality-driven professionals versus enthusiasts. That's what it is. Yeah. And the enthusiasts are getting a tremendous amount of airplay. And unfortunately, I just I don't like it when people are using, you know, basically their bodies to sell themselves and stuff. Like, you think you've got a million followers of people who are just trying to get on an exercise program? No, you got a bunch of dudes who are jerking off, honestly, <laughs> and using your Instagram as their personal spank bank. I'm telling, I'm just going to keep it real, man. That's just what's happening. And to think that all these people are being inspired and transformed because of you, no, there's dudes creeping. And guess what? I've been told that by people that, who do that stuff <laughs> over yeah. time. And it, I'm just being, I'm just reality to yeah. think that that's all like you changing their dietary restrictions and stuff. Also, you're also painting a very, uh, not realistic portrait of how people should be eating. You're diving them back into disordered eating programs and stuff. It's just ridiculous to me. I don't know anybody who's competent that's doing that stuff. Sorry if that offends people. I no, I, I think I think you are you're probably ninety five percent accurate. I do think there, like in every other thing, there is probably a very small percentage who it's small. It's, it's authentic. <laughs> it's helpful. It has inspired people. I do. I mean, I do believe there are people who get positive things from it. But for me personally, it's just not anything that I need to do. Um, I've always said, why would anybody care what I have to say? Like, right. <laughs> you right. Know? And, and so, yeah, it, it's just not. It, it's just not my thing. It just isn't. Uh, love doing podcasts. No. I don't know. And I've always, I've actually really struggled in my own head with. Why do I have no problem talking for three hours, but man, to write one little post is like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. <laughs> yeah, no, but, you're crafting it, trying to figure out what to say. You're trying yeah. to, you know, then you backspace it a little bit here and yeah. there, whatever. And I think for me, like I got in this because it just, it's just unfiltered. It's unscripted. Life is unscripted. It's not curated. Yeah. And you're talking to people just like we're talking now. There's no script. There's no questions ahead of time. And, you know, it's like when we were setting this up and I was like, oh, we don't have to talk ahead of time. I'm like, yeah. it's it's just fun to to connect. And, you know, most of my conversations, you know, when I'm not doing a podcast primarily are people I've literally I've never met. I've never talked to. And the first time we get on the phone is the first time I've heard their voice. So that's what this is. I don't I don't. I've never heard your voice before until we logged onto the system here. Yeah. And there's something special about that unscripted, 
narration, the stories that we tell each other. I mean, we don't go into like, okay, I'm going to tell this story today and this story. It, it often becomes very different than that once you engage with somebody. Yeah. That so. is, that's, yeah, it's, it's about authenticity. And I think that's my yeah. big problem with social media is it, it, it's just not. <laughs> It's not very authentic. Yeah, and I mean, I went yeah. off there, man. I haven't gotten that emotional about something in a while. But <laughs> I just I just say, you know what? I promised myself when I did this that whenever I feel something, I'm just going to let it out and say it. And I'm sure there'll be some people like, my, I, I listen to so-and-so's thing and or I, I go on their Instagram page and it's changed my life. I'm sure it has. And I'm, like you said, I'm sure there is a percentage that that is very true. But be careful. Yeah. All those people aren't on there for that reason. I'm telling you, a million people are not following somebody because they're just the best, you know, trainer in the world. Or there's other reasons. People do weird stuff, man. And I mean, weird and it's stuff. it's easy because it's behind a screen because nobody knows. Exactly. Right? It's, it's not out in the open. So that's, yeah. Yeah. I, I tell you, there's some crazy stuff out there. And actually, I... There's this book. It's I'm not a big book reader, but my wife um, provided this book to me. It's called Opposite of Hate, mm. and uh, it's a really good book. I, 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 I really I don't like reading. I'm not a big reader, but I, I enjoy something that really pulls me. And it's this um, analyst who is on Fox News, and she's a, a Democrat, but she's on Fox News, which is notoriously Republican uh, leaning or, or conservative leaning um, based channel. And basically she was getting all these Twitter trolls who was like just trashing her all the time. So she decided to do this experiment where she actually she had the ability to get the information of the people who were trolling her and actually call them. And so she ended up having conversations with these people who said the most disgusting things about her. And what she found out was staggering was that. A lot of times the people were literally just saying the meanest things they could say because they were bored. That's what they told her. Wow. They were, they were bored and they didn't think that she would see it. That's crazy. Wow. That's crazy. Like, I'm just bored. I'm just going to call this lady terrible names and just tee off on her just because you had nothing else to do. And that is That's such a sad reflection of like why do you have nothing else to do like that's my right. question how Literally. do you have the time to do that yeah yeah huh. it, and, and, and then it went on to say that as she talked to them she found them to be actually really nice people who just didn't really have a lot going on and they felt that this gave them some worth and wow. or they just thought that because the person they were teeing off on was so famous that they would actually never look at the mm. comments so that it would just mm -hmm. go into this void and it wouldn't matter, wouldn't hurt their feelings mm -hmm. for that. I said, man, there's some sick people. Uh -huh. <laughs> As I thought wow. that, man. Yeah, <laughs> huh. yeah you it know, never, ever, ever occurs to me to just randomly throw out some really nasty stuff to somebody. Like, that's just not even, a, it, it just doesn't, that's never a thought that crosses my mind to do yeah, that. Yeah, because you're a rational person. Because I mean, oh, you're wow. actually, a nor you're an actual rational <laughs> I'm not going to say normal because that can be up for interpretation. What's normal, but, but you're, you're rational thinking, look, thinking at the consequences, potentially of your behavior, probably had good manners. You know, I, those things never into yeah. my mind, I never go like, you know what, I'm going to get on this comment thread and call this guy an asshole. You know, yeah. like, 
I, I first of all, I'm like, man, how I would never want somebody to speak to me like that. So I definitely don't want to do that to somebody. And I just, it's just yeah, crazy wild. the things that people are doing. Like that she, that really hit me when she did that. And she actually had the conversations and the people were also much less confrontational on the phone than they were when they were online well, as well. Yeah. Was, I mean, and there's a, there's a term exposed. for it. Yeah. Now you're exposed. There's a term for it. It's called online dis, the online disinhibition effect is the technical term for it. Or is that wow. you feel that you can say whatever you want online when you are not in front of somebody, but when you get in front of them, you wouldn't say it. Mm-hmm. And I, be, I would guarantee if somebody would say something negative to me and we were in person, I would totally bring it up. I'm like, well, what about that time you called, called me so-and-so and just look right at them? I guarantee they wouldn't have the balls to tell it to me and they're mm-hmm. to my face. Yeah. I'm like, listen, be consistent in your behavior. If that's how you act there, then just act like that in front of me too. That's okay. I'll, I'll accept that, but I don't accept this other behavior, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. There's all, and we're learning so much about behavior because of social media nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Or has social media allowed this behavior to, to mm. exist, right? I mean, without uh, it, that wouldn't that's be true. an option. That's true. Well, you think like, what did people do back in the day if they didn't have this option to tee off on people? What did they do? I, I don't know. Maybe they went outside and went you just oh i can't say any nobody cares i'm just gonna go mow my lawn <laughs> that's funny so you're giving the voice to people who may have wanted to slander and whatever they and, and not just slander but say positive things too you know yeah, and, yeah. but it you know it both goes both ways i think yeah. you know yeah totally I don't know. I just, I get all riled up about this stuff, man. It's, I swear I talk about it on every podcast. All right, Darian, People... take a deep breath. Ooh, hoosa, right? Yes. No, no, no need get... to uh, release cortisol when it's not really a real threat to your life. I always tell people that. That's true, right? No, no, no. I just, uh, I just have a real, this is always a hot topic for me. And I think it's just because I want, I want people to be better. You know, and I, agree. I want, I want us to use, we're going to have this stuff and it's going to stay I want us to use it and be positive and it yeah. and to not tear people down. Where's the what's the good thing in tearing people down? Yeah. I don't know. I it's just that doesn't make you feel better over time. Maybe initially it does. I don't know. I'm I'm not in that business, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, but I like, you know, I'm I'm more in the better beings business like yourself. <laughs> I want people to be better. Yeah. And to realize the best version of themselves and not compare themselves to other people, you know. Yeah. You know. So it's just a really interesting time we're living in. And I think it's interesting when you're a seasoned professional and have gone through the changes in these times that have occurred. And imagine growing up in this, like I think Justin was telling me about like, you know, jobs he's interviewed for. Now they're requiring you, requiring you to post like three to five posts a week. I said, whoa, whoa, back that up. I know. I wouldn't survive. I wouldn't survive in that environment, man. No. But you know, these these young kids, they grew up with it. So it's totally normal to them, right? It's it's like yeah. learning a foreign language when you're forty versus kinda you grew up with this and you were always taught that foreign language. So Yeah. That's you true. know, it's it's different, I think, for them. But I do know a lot of them don't like it either. It's like this has been kind of forced they've been forced into this. 
and I actually, yeah. Like it. You know, if, you know, listen to my podcast. You know, I interview a lot of younger folks um, mm-hmm. and millennials and stuff. And, and it's not by design. It's just I don't know. I just you know who I gravitate to. But you're right. A lot of them actually are not very into it, and they actually want to get away from it. There's an exhaustion for mm-hmm. them. Um, but it's very interesting. I wanted to transition a little bit. Just where do you think you're headed in your life? I mean, wh- where do you see yourself going from here on out? Oh, boy. Um, These are the big questions, you know. I know. You know, I have never been, ever been somebody who was like, oh, well, someday when I'm older, I'm going to do this. or I'm going to be this when I grow up. Or five years from now, I'm going to be doing this. I've never, ever, ever been like that. Um, right. I don't. So I really, I mean, honestly, five years ago, never would have imagined that this is what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so I like to just kind of take things as they go. And I mean, I definitely have, you know, the short term things I'm working on. So right. um, my book is very new, just released it this past spring. And I know already that has opened up uh, different opportunities that I'm very excited about for more kind of, wonderful, um, you know, conference speaking and motivational speaking and really saying the same things I've been saying forever. But now that I have a book, I'm like, Ooh, now you, yeah. Ooh, now you got a thing. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, But it's fun. I, it really does. um, It really does fill my buckets when I can get in front of a group and my message is well received and I can tell that it is because it's resonating with people. You know, it's just very fulfilling to know that, um, the information that I'm sharing as well as my own story and my exposing my own vulnerabilities is really is helping people in different ways. So, um, I really just hope to get to keep doing that, um, you know, locally here in Denver, but nationwide, wherever anyone wants to take me or bring me, um, get, <laughs> Do you hear get, that everyone yeah. <laughs> get in front She's of, on the move. yeah, just get in front of as many people as I can to share my story because, um, I've, you know, I know that it, that it can help people. So I really, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see where things go. I don't know. Um, I, I know that I'm working on a couple of things, nothing super, you know, earth shattering, but just, uh, <laughs> to make things a little more accessible to more people. Um, so business wise, I have some things I'm working on, um, as far as turning, turning my stuff into online courses. Cause that's, I mean, mm-hmm. my book wasn't but two weeks old and everyone's like, well, you know, you have to do an online course. I'm like, good Lord. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, give Jeez. me a second. Yeah. I just wrote Let's a breathe. book. Come on. Yeah. Like, I actually I enjoy this. Ha- I'm like, I actually don't have to do anything. That's the beauty no. of my, my life. But yes, yeah, I will do that. It will happen. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> there goes um, that have to again. Have yeah, to thing. Yeah. 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 And I know they, they just all mean well, but sometimes because I'm not this like type A personality, got to get it done, got to do all this. I'm like a, hey, it'll happen. We'll do it. It'll go at its pace. It's all going to be fine. <laughs> like that's, that's the pace I like to work at. So yeah. Um, yeah. But so yeah, I really do just hope to continue to influence, inspire, educate people um, in, in whatever form and fashion that presents. Well, that sounds like an awesome thing. And, uh, you know, I was I was very impressed by you when you um, sent me a message on LinkedIn. And, you know, I was like, oh, man, Michelle, it's like 
it's just interesting to me, like when somebody gets on there and they, they go, you know, hey, it's awesome connecting. Yeah, I checked out your podcast and I love these episodes. And, they, you know, they start mentioning things about what you're doing and they're very straightforward and direct about it. And uh, I just love that when people say what they want to do and and comment on things. And uh, or, you seem very open hearted about it. You know, sometimes when you chat with people or you connect with them and you know, maybe you send them a message or something. I feel like there's a wall up sometimes and people go, what do you want from me? You know? Mm -hmm. And I felt like you just shot out the can and you were like, yep, this is me. Here's <laughs> what we're doing, man. You know? And I'm all about that. So thank you for that. Well, yeah. I mean, like I said in the beginning, thank you for even for reaching out. I mean, I, I truly am an introvert and networking is not my thing, but I'm very selective in who I will network in with. Um, because I have gotten picky about who I choose to spend my time and energy on. As you get yeah. older, you, you, you tend to do that. At least if, Most you're, smart. Definitely. if you're smart, you do. Um, I think so too. You will be worn out in a second. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think someone who takes the time to do what you've done deserves a response back. And, you know, part of my own growth um, just as a human is to, I, I like to have like a phrase for each year. I don't do resolutions, but I mm -hmm. become a, a big fan of vision boards and I like to kind of have a, a phrase for the year. So a few years ago, my phrase was to explore and expand. Mm -hmm. And so that means to do things that uh, maybe I would normally say no to, or I would normally just dismiss, well, why not do it? Right. That's the only way you grow. And so yeah. that actually, as I, you know, read your LinkedIn message, I was like, oh my gosh, this, this is presenting we, me with a really great opportunity to explore and expand. I'm going to, I'm going to take it. Um, so wonderful. Yeah, no, it's been fun. And I really do enjoy listening to your conversations and thank you for, um, for inviting me to have a conversation as well. Cause I think That's all they are. you're a pretty interesting person too. And I, oh, know, thanks. Uh, I know there's, there's lots more good stuff to come. So yeah, I, I appreciate you supporting the show by listening. And uh, please feel free to share it with other people that are important to you and you and your life. And it's it's made a big impact on a lot of people's lives, which has been incredibly satisfying for me. And uh, just crossing all types of barriers. You know, we got moms, we got kids, we got people in their you know twenties, college students, people in their sixties, whatever retirees listening and like it's like their thing they enjoy when it pops up like boom here's another one and as one of uh, the listeners said man there's like a new one every two days I'm like yep because I'm meeting people that often and I'm interviewing people that often because I'm at the point in my life where you know I've established a lot of what I've done business-wise and continue to grow that and uh, I focus on a couple things and then I've been able to build a life to work remotely so Yes, I can spend a lot of time networking and meeting people and doing my podcasts and sharing that with the world. And so people are going to explore and expand upon your words being on the podcast, Michelle. And I'm excited to get the response because the, the, the beauty of the podcast is that everybody has kind of their own take on each episode and people will tell me specific episodes like, Oh, I like this one. And that one really hit me, you know, and I'm sure somebody will have that with yours as well. Well, that's fun. And I just, uh, I want to say too, for all the, the young people in your audience, um, I have to say, this is one of the best things about getting older 
is that you get to actually spend your time in ways that do truly fill you up. And, you know, I know a lot of young people are already discovering that, which I think is fantastic. Wonderful. Um, And, you know, like you get, you're getting to do that, Darian, and I get to do that too. And to have, to have, you know, created something that is helpful, but also that I, I just really enjoy um, and I make a living at it. Like it's, it's the, yep. it's the, it's like the magic combination of everything. So it is the magic combination. So anyone well, who thinks like aging, Oh, I don't want to get older. Yes, you do. <laughs> I promise you. It's great. <laughs> and I, It is great. And uh, honestly, I would never want to be 21 again. No. I and mean, you heard it right here. <laughs> me I, I, <laughs> No way. You, you couldn't pay me to go back to that time. I am way smarter you just I have more I'm more calm, more patient. I'm a much better version of myself. So uh growing older is pretty awesome. Enjoy Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Totally great. <laughs> well, thank you for your time, Michelle. And uh you are awesome and I am sure we will be chatting beyond this podcast. Uh, more, well, I so. look forward to it. Thank you as well, Darian. All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. All right, bye.